It is Tuesday, August 27th. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson. And my name is Charlie Clawson. And Will, you are the dog who got the cream. How does Charlie, it feel? You've, you've come in strong with bulldog jokes because just before we started, we were checking if we were ready to go. And uh, as is always asked of me, do I have a beverage? Because I always realize at the last moment that I need to have a sip of my beverage. And I've said, I do have a beverage. And you said, sign in for another three years. <laughs> and I was like, wow, we haven't even started recording yet. And Charlie is on fire. <laughs> like you've spent a weekend writing jokes about the Bulldogs and you've come right out of the blocks on fire, much like the Bulldogs on the weekend in Ballarat. Well, part of me was, look, I wanted you to win. You're my friend and I like the Bulldogs, but part of me was going, oh, wouldn't this be a great podcast if you guys had lost? If like, (laughs) if you guys had done a West Coast and just stumbled at the vinyl hurdle, it would have been... It would have been an entertaining podcast, but I imagine the next four weeks would be kind of not that fun. Oh, and particularly rubbing the salt in the wounds that it would be Hawthorne. Yeah. Of course it would be. Yeah. Fucking Hawthorne. Just when you thought you were out, they'd fucking get you again. Like, of course it would be Hawthorne. Alistair Clarkson, who day by day morphs into Kevin Sheedy. Yeah. Like, it just has... He, he just is amazing. I mean, the players don't get the credit they probably deserve because they're the ones who actually you know, go out there and execute the game plan and do those sort of things. But... Hawthorne, Hawthorne's season, it, there's just so much to... It, I hate it because I don't want to like Hawthorne. Mm. You know, you don't want to be happy for Hawthorne. They've had yeah. enough success. They don't need strangers being happy for them. They're happy mm. by themselves, right? But the, the, there's just so much to admire about the way they went about it this season, I think. A Hawthorne a bit like Tom Cruise in the sense that, like, they come up and everyone's like, oh, this person's great we're into tom cruise and then they're so successful and so good at everything you're like hang on we're a bit over tom cruise and then they just come full circle again we're like you know what i really like tom cruise is that Hawthorne? yeah and much like tom cruise they've always been pretty successful yeah like they'll have a couple of years where they're not quite as successful but they'll have some big hit movie again in a couple of years like yeah they are definitely the tom cruise and they still look the same they still look as young and fit as they ever did it's weird. And then, you know, if they get cogs next year, then who knows? Like, this is the thing is they, it's, it's not, it's almost like it is worth them just dipping out of the finals just for a little bit so they can get at some higher draft picks, maybe get a better negotiating position at the trade table or whatever, get everyone off their guard and then they'll fly back into the finals the following year. Well, I mean, they, I, I guess they, they unexpectedly finished high on the ladder last year. And no one really thought, some, some, I don't know, is this a weird thing to say? But I think they finished like fourth or whatever last season. And they finished ninth or, or whatever it is this season. Ninth or tenth, mm. whatever. But, you know, yeah. just ninth. just out of the eight. So ninth probably. Um, it feels like they had a better season this season than they had last season. Well, yeah, because they had less good players this season as well. Yeah. They had more, more adversity. But it's also, so the thing about Hawthorne is... It's like um, they're like 
they're like horror villains from the 80s, like Jason Voorhees or Freddy or whatever. They don't ever really die. <laughs> they just sort of right. go away for a little bit. And then they come back and slaughter a whole bunch of new teenagers. Oh, Clarko would be... He'd be a great serial killer in a serial killer movie. If, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, if he just gets bored with like winning premierships in football teams and he decides like in the next stage of his career to become a serial killer, that would be not off-brand for Clarko. And you'd back him in to be the best serial killer there's ever been. Mindhunter Series 3. <laughs> they interview yeah. Alistair Clarkson. <laughs> Alistair Clarkson. <laughs> he just busts or out just his guitar. It just gets to the point where like, his football genius drives him insane and he has yeah. to go into one of those mentoring roles. He can no longer coach because of uh, how bananas, like, you know, he's a football genius. And so the new coach has to go down and they find him Hannibal Lecter style, like, mm. you know, in the cell all alone, you know, he has to be strapped up and they just wheel him out to address the players. Well, they say like Chris Fagan is probably the most likely to get coach of the year just from the jump that the Lions have taken. But if you look at the individual wins that Hawthorne have had this year and the way in which he has coached, like the GWS game, the West Coast game, if you took it on individual performances rather than a cumulative total of wins, you'd have to say that Clarko probably should win coach of the year again, right? Right. He, he is, he's such a good coach. Like, I mean, and just his influence throughout the, the league with all the other coaches and the intrigue level that puts into games now. And yeah, it's, um, uh, look, they, it did not crush me that it crushed Hawthorne fans. Put yeah. it that way. You know, like there would be other teams that you might feel a bit more sorry for if they'd gone over there and had that win and then you knocked them out of the finals. But yeah. With Hawthorne, you're like, oh. you'll be right, mate. Yeah, wait like, two you, years. You shake hands and you go, you'll be right. Yeah. You, you'll be okay, mate. I mean, I think the I, I think the worst aspect of that win is that enabled Collingwood to get back into the top four. Like, that was the biggest gift. I mean, I don't know what the Hawthorne-Collingwood rivalry is like, if there is much of a rivalry, but that was a huge gift to them. Is there any... Um, could it be a strategy by West Coast? Have we left no. this unexplored? Because Collingwood are at their most dangerous, as we have surmised on this podcast many times, when their backs are against the wall. Uh, they get Stevenson back for the finals. Degoe will be back. They're up and going again. Get him into the top four. You drop out. Their backs aren't against the walls anymore, and that's when they're at their most vulnerable. Yeah, potentially. Potentially, but I don't know. I mean... I just feel like this could be, this is the moment that West Coast completely shot themselves in the foot. Like I think, because do you get the feeling that maybe they rested players or they took it a bit easy? They felt like they were going to just win this game at home. They, they took it a bit easy. I think so, yes. Yeah. And, and I think I also, think that, yeah, go on. I just also think having that one hand in the Premiership Cup because they got last year, it just makes you a little bit complacent, just a little bit complacent. <laughs> It's it's hard to know, isn't it? Like final rounds are like first rounds in that weird things happen. Mm. That that's what kind of made me most nervous going into Sunday's game was just that thought that weird things happen. You know, it's it's the final round, and we've had a pretty good run going into the finals. Adelaide really don't have much to gain out of the game. What if it's one of those ones that just unexpectedly goes in the other direction? Mm. Um, but. Uh, you know, I was glad that wasn't the case. I was glad that, like, this feels like to me, for a Bulldogs fan, that regardless of what happens in the finals, this feels like a win to me. We had the youngest team in the league on on the weekend. 
and for mm. us to kind of you know have this momentum like when we were four and seven at the buy like and we were thinking about giving up this podcast forever <laughs> were we <laughs> Well, it was only the Saints' good form that was keeping us going. I think at that point, so yeah. a big, a, a big dips of my lid to Richo for keeping my interest in football this season because it's really paid off in the end. But we've come home strong. This is really exciting. The fact that we've even made the finals, that we needed to win, and then we did go out and win, mm. gives you a lot of confidence that, um, you know, at least going into next season, even if we don't get it done this season. But it also means that going into the finals, you you do get that feeling of just going, well, they've got momentum. They're playing yeah. really good football, the Bulldogs. It's unlikely. It's a surprise to me as much as it is to anybody else, but it's exciting. I'd be disappointed, though, if you lost, if you went out against GWS. I mean, I the, the amount of momentum you have and the hype around you guys and the form that, like, your best players are in at the moment, like, I would be disappointed with anything less than a preliminary final. <laughs> like, I well, know that's... I know that's like, uh, you meditate one week at a time, but do you remember, uh, was it three years ago when Essendon sort of barnstormed their way into the finals and they played that first final in Sydney and they got absolutely smacked at the SCG? And it was this real anti-climax. It was like, oh, you were the kind of inform young team coming in. And I think it took the wind out of their sails and they haven't ever really quite recovered from that. Even this final series, you sort of, Essendon feel like, well them and GWS feel the most vulnerable. So I think that for the Bulldogs, if you, if the if the Giants were able to be, put you away this week, I still think it would feel a bit like a wasted chance. Um, I don't think so. Because I, I do think that, it, like, I would say a third of our team is a couple of seasons away from being the sort of team that you could look at and go, they're a premiership team. But who knows? Maybe their style and maybe their enthusiasm and maybe those things all work. GWS at their best are a really, really good team. And with Cameron back, they're a much better team. And like, you know, you worry about that idea that because you've beaten a team so easily, um, you know, a few weeks before, maybe your expectations that you'll be able to do it again. Uh, but I think they'll have a crack. It's exciting. Mm. I'm I, like, I actually feel like we've got nothing to lose. I feel like everything from now on is, is, is bonus. It's a bit of a little bit of a danger game. I mean, GWS got the perfect tune-up game before the finals. They got to play the Suns. They got some confidence back. Cameron, you know, wins the Coleman. They get a few more games into their returning stars. So there is a little bit of a danger element. I was talking to a mate on the weekend. Uh, he's a Saints supporter about Ross Lyon. And he was sort of asking where, you know, you think Ross could go. And I'd you know, spoken about the podcast, how we thought Melbourne. And then we're talking about how, you know, Ross don't do rebuilds. And then the obvious choice that we didn't discuss was GWS. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, if, if, they have an, if they have a disappointing exit from the finals, they've still got all those awesome players, which is what Ross does, is he goes into clubs that have awesome lists and then applies that hard edge. Could you see Ross going to GWS? Um, yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I could. I think Leon Cameron's done a pretty good job. And I think it'd be disappointing if he doesn't get to see it through, but... You know, I think there comes a time that if you don't have success that they might look in a different direction. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, I guess if they lost badly to the Bulldogs, you know, they might start asking the question around, well, you know, where's the future for this team? But if I don't know. It feels to me that GWS have had to overcome a lot this season. And, you know, they've still managed to... Like, they won a game more than the Bulldogs. They finished above us on the ladder. At their best, you know, they probably have the right to think that they can beat us, you know? in the final yeah I mean it would I just feel like 
the longer the GWS go without actually getting anything, the greater the pressure is. So I reckon the more jumpy the administrations are going to be. I feel like they've moved on too many coaches already. I feel like the Suns have moved on too many coaches already, considering how long it takes to kind of, for a team to gel. I mean, the Suns are a completely different story. I, I felt like, I mean, I've talked about Kane Corns being a twerp on this podcast before, but what a twerp. A twerp. What a twerp. <laughs> He's a twerp. There he was, like, slamming the Suns players for, like, celebrating Mad Monday. And he's like, if you know, you've lost 18 games in a row. What are you celebrating? It's like, mate, like, give them a break. They've lost 18 games in a row. Do you, do you not understand what we're celebrating? <laughs> that it's over. Over. That we don't have to play again next weekend. <laughs> like, Hawthorne, they're, they're having a nice, like, end of the year. Tap, pat each other on the back. Don't have to work for a few more weeks. My job is a nightmare. Yeah. Every day I go to work, it's a nightmare. We're terrible at football. And now finally, finally it's over. Let me have a beer, motherfucker. But what, I mean... What you was motherfucking he, twerp. What was he going for? Like, What would he have liked to have seen from the Suns on Mad Monday? Like them back at training, they've got the balls out? Yeah. <laughs> like, Yeah, ridiculous. that's right, yeah. <laughs> People like, do they, do they not understand how the schedule works? <laughs> They can't even do Mad Monday right. Maybe Gold Coast. That'd be great if they trained on that Monday and they went down and asked Stewie Jew and he goes, we're playing next weekend. Yeah. And they just play in the bye weekend. Yeah. And so they get a win. (laughs) They play just them. I'd love if Tony Cochran just installs that Mad Monday... Once the, get, once, the, once the year is done and dusted, that's when they train hard. And then when it gets into the season proper, that's when they do Mad Monday. <laughs> season oh. proper, every Monday is Mad Monday. Let me... We hit, okay. We hit the strip. <laughs> we go nuts, put on some costumes. Look, someone's I dressed mean, like Khaleesi. That's not the worst idea. Get a bit of fun back into football. Every Monday is Mad Monday at the Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, I mean, you've got some players up there. They've got player retention problems. Imagine if you could say, if you could say to a player, "Look, we're not going to win many games, but every Mad Monday is Mad Monday when the season's on." Look, you've got to train really hard once the season's over. Yeah, but every Monday is a Mad Monday. It's you know, George... you know what you get up here? Costumes, Mad Monday. <laughs> it's the it's the Costanza approach. You should do the opposite of everything you have done prior to now. Um, how about this as an idea for the, okay. the bye week in between the regular season and the finals? At the moment, we have the EJ Witten Legends match. I mm. say for charity, because a bit of interest has gone out of that game and it's not raising the money it once was and blah, blah, blah. How about in an exhibition match at the MCG, the team that finishes 18th on the ladder has to play a team made up of like EJ Witten style All-Stars to see who wins the game. Yeah, so you get to see the idea. current day Gold Coast Suns playing against like a, a, a team of yeah recently retired or even like retired for ages legends. So any team that finishes last has to play yeah. the best of the retired greats. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Because <laughs> I reckon that Gold Coast are a chance to lose that game. They would. <laughs> Uh, I should, worth mentioning, we're talking last week, we had a a listener contact us to say that uh, Nick Revolt was on the couch last week Mm. and was taking pot shots at Reece Stanley. And then we had another listener 
messages after that episode went out saying, well, no, in fact, uh, uh, Nick Revolt was boosting Reese Stanley, uh, oh. saying that the, the re- they need to bring him in. And the reason he was dropped, he was out of form. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't know that that is boosting Reese Stanley. <laughs> no. No, no, it's not. It's it's giving with one hand and taking with the other. It's a backhanded compliment. It's like they have yeah. no other choice. You have no choice to, to bring that guy in. Yeah, basically what he's saying is, what Geelong need is a Reese Stanley type, but yeah. Reese Stanley is shit. <laughs> Reese Stanley's not good enough to be Reese Stanley in my books. I uh, went to the football this weekend. I went to see the, uh, the Swans and the Saints game. Um, Buddy's 300, last game for McVeigh and Kieran Jack. Uh, How was it? It, Apart from the result. Uh, it was the hottest I've ever been at the football in my life. Like, I can't remember what the temperature was. It's probably about 25. Sunny day in Sydney, but it felt like it was 30. And I just didn't... I Have, have you ever gone to the football, not in a preseason game or early in the season, thinking maybe I should wear some sunscreen? <laughs> like, it's not a consideration I've ever thought is like, oh, the sun might be hot today. So there's a bunch right. of my friends, we went, we're sitting on the wing on the first level, so not under the alcove. And you know how the, how the sun, like literally for, for a one o'clock game, the sun is right in your eyes. <laughs> like it's just above the member stand. And it was excruciating. Like watching the football was bad enough, but the light coming into my eyes, by the last quarter, I had my jacket pulled over my head <laughs> like I was a vampire in Buffy trying to escape the sun. It was... So goddamn hot. Well, is this the sort of thing that when they talk about the conditions over in Western Australia or playing up north, you know, like, is it going to be, so for the uh, Brisbane playing, um, who did Brisbane play up there? Oh, Richmond. Mm. So Richmond have to go up and play in Brisbane in a couple of weeks. Mm. Like, is that going to be really hot? Is there a chance that the conditions up there will be boiling hot? Well, I think so. It wasn't, what was the game... Last week, where it was at the MCG with Geelong, and was it no, it was at West Coast and, and Richmond, where it was su- Sunday afternoon in Melbourne, it was really sunny, and half a dozen players could not see the ball. <laughs> like they're all shielding the, 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 the sun out of their eyes as they're going for the ball. But this was just, I actually was looking around at the Sydney, uh, Sydney Swan supporters going, like, Do you do this? Every week, this I'm used to Eddie had like, I like a roof over my head. I've become spoiled. This is unbearable. That big ball of light in the sky is killing me. <laughs> but it was yeah, good I to know see. Te- um, I know technically this is still an outdoor sport, but yeah. can we get something, do something about that light? Because you do something about like the weather and the climate. Uh, it was a good game. I mean, it was good. I I'm happy to see those players get. I like. I've I have nothing against the Sydney Swans. They're one of those teams that I've, I've always kind of liked, and especially that kind of crop of players. That's the uh, would they would you see still think that they fit in the no dickhead era of the Sydney Swans? Do they sneak in. I mean, I, I classify that as pre Kurt Tippett, <laughs> so they're all pre Kurt Tippett, right? Not that Kurt Tippett's oh, a don't... dickhead, but I think something shifted in the Swans, you know, after Kurt Tippett in terms of their recruiting strategy. Before it used to be there was a no dickheads policy, up. and then there was a look may contain traces of dickheads policy. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Like, you know, we try not to put any dickheads in, but occasionally, you know, it might be prepared in the same kitchen as the dickhead. Well, it was was one of those games where we actually were all over them for two quarters. We should... Our kicking... Our kicking the last few years has been atrocious. At one stage, in the first quarter, they were five straight and we were one goal... We were one goal six. 
And I'm like, this is, well, this is going to hurt when you're away, like when you can't silence the crowd. And then we actually managed to get level pegging at halftime, had the first four scoring shots of the third quarter and kicked one three. And I'm like, wow. And then after that, the emotion of the day took over and you could sort of sense, and look, I'm not casting dispersions on the Saints players, but I kind of got the sense that when, you know, you see Jared McVeigh get dished off the ball and kick a goal and the crowd goes crazy and then Kieran Jack gets dished off the ball, that as the opposition, you're like, well, am I going to be the asshole that fucking runs down Kieran Jack, you know, like on the right. wing, you know, and embarrasses in front of all these people? Like, you know, maybe it was a final or something, but this is a dead rubber game and this is a guy's farewell game. Maybe I won't chase just as hard. Yeah, it's like the person who tries too hard in the AJ Witten match. Yeah. It's all for fun, though. Like, yeah. you don't put a hard tag on someone in the EJ Witten, and it's the same in the final game. Well, well Clarko was famous for being the spoil sport, right, in when Fev was trying to kick 100 goals. Yeah. And Clarko, like, fluttered back into the back line or whatever. Was because like, nah, Clarko I'm, is a serial I'm, killer. Because I'm the greatest coach ever, and I'm going to spoil your day, and then I'm going to become a serial killer, the world's greatest serial killer. Clarko, was- Clarko, you're still on the phone. It was interesting watching Brett Ratton's press conference afterwards because it's, I think it's actually the most honest I've seen a Saints coach. Well, Richo never really kind of... Richo was, seemed always so nice. He didn't ever really come out and like pot anyone. But, but Brett Ratton basically just came out and said, um, well, look, the skills in this team are, are deplorable. Like He said it's not about kicking under pressure. Like You understand if someone has bad skills under pressure, but... We can't kick under no pressure. And so what we're going to have to do is... Like, he said, did the, you I, see that video of that guy that I gave a game? I told him if he kicked a goal, he got his senior game. And he missed from like eight metres out. And we posted it to shame him on the internet because no one at this club can fucking kick. I couldn't drop him. I couldn't leave him out because everybody else missed their kicks a fucking goal as well. It's atrocious. But he was saying, like, we're going to... If you can't kick then we're going to have to either find player, bring players in who can kick and, 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 or, or you're going to have to learn how to kick. And it's like, isn't that like a fundamental in the drafting process when you're doing like your player analysis is like, must be able to kick is a game that requires kicking. Well, they say the problem is that, you know, you learn bad habits like as a kid. This is why the recruits to the game often end up being quite good kicks because they don't have... Yeah, the habits they picked up from some dad at Oz kick when they were four years old and who thought he knew everything about how to kick a football or whatever. And so maybe the problem at St Kilda is maybe, hey guys, uh, the problem with this preseason, Brett Ratton says, is going to be a bunch of operations. And they're like, what are you talking about? We don't have injuries. And then he just brings out a cricket bat and starts breaking each of their legs so that they can rebuild their legs and their kicking action. Well, they had to teach Cyril how to run properly. Remember that? Right. He kept t- popping his hamstrings. So they brought in some like biomechanics expert to say, this is, you're going to have to learn how to run. So just bring in someone to teach us how to kick. I mean, I honestly don't know. Maybe, it, maybe the problem is it's the balance of the players we have. Like we've got a lot of good inside, tough grunt in and under players, but we don't have a lot of that silk. Apparently we're chasing Brad Hill quite hard. I think that could be a good get for us, but it's just... It's nothing more dispiriting than watching like, you know, three or four players streaming into the 50 and they'll either miss a target or have a shot and miss everything. It was, I mean, I think it says a lot about where our club's midfield is at, that Dan Hannerby was best on ground for us on Saturday. 
and he's only played like four games of football this year. He's he, literally they said his body was rebuilt this year, and he's managed to come in in four games and be our best midfielder. I think that's pretty damn. Well, he was the test at. case. He was the test case of the you've got to break him before you make him. And so he didn't actually have an injury when he got to St Kilda. In fact, that's why they got him. All the other clubs were like, oh, I wouldn't take him. But St Kilda fancy themselves as like guys who do up old cars. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, no. I can, I can uh, turn this into something. I, I love it. my ride. I love that. I'm, I'm just getting, you know, that scene in, from The Untouchables where Al Capone is talking about how much he loves baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Walking back and forth. So it's like... I imagine Brett Ratton has his exit meeting. And so you go and sit down at his desk. There's a cricket bat on the desk. And he gets up and he's like, you know what I like about cricket? It's a team sport. It's a team sport that requires skill. Because if you don't have skill, you can't play the sport. You know what I mean? Snap. <laughs> Just whacks it down across the leg. Now get out of here. You're in surgery. Radical preseason from the St. Kilda Football Club. 42 players are listed with broken legs. He just pushes a re like he breaks their leg with the cricket bat and then he pushes. No, he breaks their leg uh, with the one St Kilda Premiership uh, cup. So they, he gets it out and it's sitting on his desk and he gets them to touch the and then he breaks their legs and he just pushes across the desk a rehab schedule. He said, this is your preseason plan. Uh, did you see any of the Collingwood uh, Essendon game? Oh, just before we go to that, I was going to say of the Bulldogs oh. game that um, but the kicking, we were terrible, you know, kicks, particularly early in the season and particularly terrible kicks at goal. And heaps of the success that we're having now is just based on the fact that we're kicking better at goal. Mm. It's such a huge game changer when you can actually kick accurately. So, so the big what worry did they, of the Bulldogs. What did they change? Broke their legs. I, you, I can't see what they changed. I, I assume it's like they're getting the ball in better positions or it's, you know, or I don't know. Maybe they're just kicking better at goal, but they're just well, playing better. Nick Del Santo had a theory. He was on the Fox Footy podcast and he was talking about, he thinks that the difference is it's a generational thing that when we were younger, like people of our vintage, in summer it was cricket and winter it was football. So... You know, we didn't have as many video games and iPhones and all that kind of stuff. So as a kid, you would always walk around with like either a cricket bat in your hand or a footy in your hand. And so you're constantly practicing kicking for goal or kicking the ball or kicking to your mates or whatever. Whereas now you've got a bunch of kids who sort of like, well, when they're at training or when they, where they are playing, they'll kick a footy. But they've got a lot of other stuff to choose from. Millennials. Wow. <laughs> Avocado on toast and not enough footy in their hands. Too busy eating their avo, their smashed avo, to bloody kick a footy around. Too busy playing Fortnite on their Wii. (laughs) 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 This will be another satisfying segment for all the people who uh, messaged me to say that it was called eSports, not eGames, as we kept saying on the podcast, and they were yelling at the podcast, so... Yes. He, he, and, oh, and the fact that there are clubs already involved already. in sports. I know. <laughs> Here's us with our radical idea to have teams enter players into esports. Hang on, esports or e games? What's it called? Esports. Okay. Not EA, EB sports. Or EA the sports. Where you buy video games. It's in the game. Um, yeah, the Collingwood Essendon game was an absolute cracker. That first three quarters was. Some of the most exciting 
football, I reckon, I've seen this year. I actually was looking at Essendon going, you know what, they are, considering who they had out of that side, because you got the feeling they rested a few players for that game. They were having a real crack. The class of Collingwood obviously caught up with in the last quarter, but that was as exciting a first three quarters of footy as I've seen this year. Yeah, Essendon um, are an enigma. I have mm. no idea what to think about Essendon because there's just a part of it that works. When it works, you go, oh, yeah, I can see how this works. But when it doesn't work, it looks terrible and it looks like you could never get it to work. So it's just I, – I, I find it very hard to get a read on what they're they, – they seem to me to be the most likely team to be just bundled out in the first week and mm. that'll be the end of their season. But there's just this other bit of them that you're like, well, if it all comes together at the one time – they could, they could, you know, worry teams. You're right. They're enigmatic. They are they are like their star players. They are like Jake Stringer and Waller. They are mercurial at best. Yeah. I mean, and they've both had really great seasons, which I guess is why Essendon are in the finals, right? Like, despite the fact that they are erratic, they still manage to make the finals of the competition. So they've obviously had some kind of okay season, particularly because they've had a bunch of injuries and stuff. Mm. But you're right. When they're good... They're almost irresistible. Like, you know, Stringer's like that and Tip and Woody's like that. And and when they're not, they just look like it doesn't work at all. Yeah. Yeah, they looked really good for the, f- the first quarter. They got like, I think they kicked the first six goals of the first quarter. And I was like, holy shit, like Essendon, maybe they've been foxing us this whole time. It is weird. All this pressure on John Worsfold. You know, there's even talk of Ross Lyon going to Essendon, which again, Ross don't do rebuilds. <laughs> Makes sense that he would go to the Bombers. But you got to wonder, like, I mean, is it more the, the expectation of Bombers fans? Like, they are a notoriously demanding group of supporters. Like, yes. they had to stomach the drug saga because they had no other choice. <laughs> like, they couldn't, they just had to endure that. But, you know, for if you look at a club like Essendon, uh, Carlton, you know, they had those sanctions and it's taken them bloody 20 years to recover. Essendon, a five-year recovery period is not fast enough as far as they're concerned. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have a very powerful ex-players and coterie and all that sort of stuff. Uh, you that always word. hear about that. What is coterie group? What does that mean, coterie? I, I always think like coterie is like a... An, like, is that an RSL, a group of women at an RSL who knit? Isn't that a coterie yes, group? Yeah, they have a very powerful group of women at an RSL who knit at Essendon. And, and they've been... <laughs> I mean, it's the second time that Needles Offside have got them in trouble. But it's a... <laughs> Um, yeah, a coat. I don't know exactly what a coterie is. A supporters group, or some sort of supporters group, like the Essendonians or something. All right, here we go. Michael's thrown up a definition: coterie, a small group of people with a shared interest or taste, especially one that is exclusive of other people. Right. Okay. So you would imagine at every club there is a small group of very powerful backers, you know, uh, captains of industry, men and women who are. Uh, well-funded and well-connected. Do you think that this is... Where does this fit into your sort of structure of your... Like, you know, because your club will have various levels. So you have your, like, your board, right? Mm. Which is your official, like, highest level at the club, right? Who aren't, you know, employed day-to-day by the club. So take out the people who are employed day-to-day by the club. We're talking about these sort of supporter groups. And so the board is your top power. Yep. Then you have your kind of like top levels of supporters, your sort of, 
at the dogs, you know, you have the top dogs and, and those sort of things. And then yeah. there's like probably, you know, members, you know, members who all get a say at some yeah. stage. So where does coteries fit into that? Are they like your top dogs or are they separate like to the internal structure you think imposed by the club? Do you think they're like uh, the deep state of each club? They are the shadowy figures like the Koch brothers, Koch brothers behind the scenes, just like pulling the strings, making things happen. They're the real power. Well, I've never, I've never been at a top dogs function where somebody suggested we overthrow the board. You know, <laughs> no one's ever sidled up to me at a top dogs function. I don't go to top dogs functions. Maybe I'm involved in some sort of coterie group that I, I don't so know. So you are Is a top, you are a top dog. Yeah. Right. Is that just you buy your way into that? Yeah, you just buy your way in. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. No, I don't think that. I think that would be separate to the coterie group because. They don't want any riff, and they don't want new money. Will they don't want any riffraff just joining the coterie group? You want people who are bulldogs through and through, like stalwarts of the club, long time, long time supporters. You know, people who are footscray, all that kind of stuff. Because you want to have political oh, yeah. influence, you want to be able to influence councils, all that kind of stuff. Um, hot jam donut vans, <laughs> moccasin factory, some kind of you know all the primary industries of the western suburbs. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. So you think it's like a secret shadowy organization? Like, yeah. is Franco like Cozzo? that Netflix documentary, The Family? Like, it's a yeah. secret organization that's infiltrated, like, the, the club that sort of secretly controls things behind the scenes. Is Franco Cozzo involved with the Bulldogs? What? Because he said Footerscray in his ad on yeah, TV. Yeah, I don't know. Well, he's just such a Western <laughs> suburbs identity. Uh, I don't think so. I don't know who Franco Cozzo buried for. It'd be Essendon or the, or the the dogs, you'd think, right? Is Franco Cozzo well, still he, alive? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's absolutely still alive. Yeah. Um, so And was... so, it, we should point out, is John English. We had a lot of people contact us after we talked about uh, Tim English and, of course, his dad being John English, who informed us that John English, the star of the Pirates of the Penzance and Altogether Now, had passed away. As it turns out, Tim English's father is also called John English and he's very much alive. So we yeah. were right. Yeah, but but John English, the singer, still still dead. I do need to confirm that. Because you did start this thing by saying John English is alive. So I didn't want you to shock anybody <laughs> who had not heard that in context. Um, here we go. Here's an article uh, from, I'm going to say this is probably from 2016, if I had to have a guess, but um, just because of the nature of it. But mm. I cannot, uh, here we go. Oh, yep, a bit, there we go. September 26th. 2016. Franco Cozzo goes foots crazy for Western Bulldogs. Ah, fantastic. Furniture King Franco Cozzo is going going foots crazy. The Melbourne identity, known for his chain of furniture stores and memorable pronunciation of footerskray, is well and truly on the Bulldogs bandwagon ahead of Saturday's grand final. Mr. Cotso posted a video on his Facebook page yesterday from oh. one of his furniture showrooms, delighted that the Western Bulldogs had made it to the final hurdle. Western Bulldogs, you are the champion. You going to win for sure, he exclaimed, before finishing with a jubilant, come on, Furuskarai. <laughs> the video has been seen by, uh, oh yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh, <laughs> Mr. Cotso is the latest celebrity to get behind the Bulldogs, with Thor star Chris Hemsworth also declaring his support. <laughs> From Thor to Franco Cozzo. 
There you go. With a Will Anderson in between. (laughs) Where you somehow fit on that uh, Venn diagram. (laughs) Like in between Chris Hemsworth and Franco Cozzo's or Will Anderson. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess that's what the secret coterie group it'd be. It'd be like, that's what it is. It's like Chris Hemsworth. It's prominent supporters. Yeah. So it's Chris Hemsworth, um, Shane Delia. Yeah. uh, Julia Gillard. Myself, Julia Gillard. Oh, she brings a bit of shadowy political power to the board. That's good, actually. Oh, and the dude from Hunters and Collectors. He's a Bulldog supporter, too. Mark Seymour. Mark, Mark Seymour. Seymour. That's good. Yeah. Great. I mean, literally the composer of the unofficial grand final anthem, right? Holy That's Grail. What, uh, yeah. Danny McGinley. Danny McGinley. <laughs> the Bulldog's better man, Danny McGinley. Well, I mean, I mean, power brokers. Maybe he's the court jester in your seat of power. <laughs> I mean, everybody needs a gopher. Do you know <laughs> <laughs> Everyone needs someone to get in early and whack the urns on. He speaks Every truth shadowy, to power. shadowy government needs a gopher. <laughs> I actually heard that um, they approached Chris Hemsworth about having a more official, not official, but like, would you like more involvement in the club? And he was uh, too busy. Didn't feel like he could properly support and promote the club uh, in the way he would like to. Um, he made $110 million last year. Yeah, he could buy the club if he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> he could, he could, he buy could the move. Club. I mean, we talk about moving the Gold Coast to Byron Bay, but what if he's so rich? He's like, the Bulldogs are my team. I love watching them play. I'm going to move them to Byron so I can watch them play every Saturday. They can play the in Byron my Bay backyard. Bulldogs. I've had a full sized AFL oval built in my backyard. I want the Byron. Byron Bay Bulldogs has a great ring to it. Has a great ring to it. You, you chuck in the Gold Coast. The Bulldogs do a deal, so we play half yeah. of our games in Melbourne still, and we play yeah. half. Oh no, we play half of our home games out of Byron Bay, like like we yeah. do with Ballarat. It's kind yeah. of like our Ballarat deal. Yeah. So we don't play every weekend out of like Byron Bay, but we play like four games a year or whatever out of Byron. We play the yeah. smaller teams, you know, yeah. out of Byron Bay. Um, everyone stays at uh, Chris Hemsworth house because there's enough rooms. There's a gym. There's a yeah. sauna. It's actually got better, better facilities than the actual Bulldogs rooms. <laughs> I could see that. If Chris Hemsworth wanted to, like, wanted to be on the board, do you think they would give him yes. a seat? Yeah, absolutely they would give him a seat. I, I think, like, you know, when you're saying they want him further involved in the club, if a guy's made $110 million in a year... Of course you do. He could be our Russell Crowe, you know. Right. He could be... The Bulldogs need, like, a, a wealthy benefactor. Yeah. 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 If he wanted to be the Bulldogs... Well, if your wealthy benefactor was a dude who's as good fun as Chris Hemsworth is and is, you know, is lovely and charming and, you know, what a great role model and, you know, super... He's funny and he's super handsome and, yeah. Although the Bulldogs have s- never... Didn't they? Like, didn't he Charlie, do some... We, he, we're getting Franco Cozzo to do us videos. <laughs> Ernie Sigley was our most prominent supporter for years. Russell Gilbert's not feeling as well as he used to. There is a massive uh, promotional hole that we have ready for Thor and he's $110 million a year. Didn't they... Um, I saw... It was a few weeks ago now, but wasn't there a game on the Gold Coast that Chris went to with his kids and he like took photos of the Gold Coast players and stuff? Yeah, that's all right. Is there any not concerned that they're going to poach him? He's a bulldog through and through, mate. Born and bred. Yeah. Family connection. No, no, yeah. no. no well, did fine. his dad? He, what? So his dad played some games, did he? I believe so. Yeah, there's definitely a family connection. Yeah, I mean, they should really like. Okay, so Hemsworth's like, I want to sit on the board. 
I want to move you to Byron Bay. <laughs> Where do they draw the line? At what point do you say, hang on, this is a bit like that kid in that episode of Twilight Zone. You don't get everything you want, Chris. Like you, you- Well, you keep asking me questions and I'll tell you if, okay. if we regret them to it. All right. So he wants you to play six games a year at a Byron Bay. Uh, so uh, what's the capacity of the ground there at Byron Bay? Uh, let's say seven, uh, 10,000 boutique. Okay. Well, and yeah, all right. 10,000. Um, okay. Uh, what sort of investment of, is he putting into the club? Cause we're going to have to obviously, you know, we're going to have to fund this. And if he okay. wants it to happen, he'll we put, need... he'll put five, you'll get 5 million a year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Done. You know, just, uh, just under games. a million per game. Byron Bay. I mean, don't you think we could attract better players to the club if one of the offers was, A, you'll get to meet Thor, and B, <laughs> we play six of our home games at Byron Bay. Do you like Byron Bay, the greatest place in Australia? Well, we play six home games a year out of Byron Bay. All right, so then he wants to... At, at, at three-quarter time, our runners bring out kombucha. We play <laughs> out of Byron Bay. Uh, he wants to play... He wants to be guaranteed to be in the starting 18 for at least one game a year. Uh, one actual season or can it be pre-season? No, actual season. <laughs> in the 18, on the field? Yeah. You don't, you don't, don't have to play him for longer than, say, 10 minutes, but he starts on the ground in one game. Yeah. Uh, look, to be honest, He's like fit. We're, undersi- we're undersized. Yeah. Like, if we, if we had somebody that we needed to kind of get a tall in for... Like you know, and you, you and know, you can, it wasn't a, and you can pick the game. So you could be playing the Gold Coast, so he doesn't have to travel too far. He could train at home at his gym. I mean, to be honest, he's in much better nick than a lot of our players. Like the the Bulldogs are great, but they're a young team, and a lot of them just look like teenagers. Like they have the body build of like, you know, fit teenagers rather than grown men. He would, he would actually look like if you said if you had all the players out there. And you had Chris Hemsworth amongst them in a Bulldogs jersey. And you asked somebody who did not know who any of those people were to identify the one that wasn't a footballer. Yeah. He would not be anywhere near the first one that you went to. <laughs> like, he would probably go top five of most likely footballers out of that list. He wants to play five minutes of a final. Doesn't have to start on the ground, but he wants to play five minutes of a final. Four. Think about it, because you could be like six goals up against the Pies or something like that, and then you just throw Chris on into the ruck. Is this all? This is where you draw the line. He's giving you $5 million a year. Yeah. All he wants is to play five minutes. The guy is still fit. In a final. No, five <laughs> in a final. He needs to give us $10 million a year. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not for sale, but I've, I've got to renegotiate the price. <laughs> Ten million a year, and you can play five minutes in a final. All right. Okay. He doesn't have to play in a final, but he plays one home and away game for the year for ten minutes, and his brother Luke gets five minutes in another home and away game. Not Liam, Luke. Are you settled on not Liam? Because <laughs> we're willing to negotiate for Liam. I just feel like Luke, now he's taking the piss. <laughs> the Byron Bay Bulldogs. Uh, yep. Should we look ahead to the finals and make our... Um, well, maybe we should just do a quick assessment of the teams that got bundled out. 
That's you know, idea. just look at and maybe what? should we have a look at the All Australian squad quickly as well? Oh yeah, cool. Do you have time? Yeah, I've, yeah. Got, I've got time today. If you've got time, yep. Uh, well, you bring all up right. All Australian squad. I'll bring up the okay. ladder. Um, How does that sound? Good. And um, actually, just while we're doing this, I might just quickly go to the bathroom if we're going to do all right. it. Um, all right, we'll take a little break. Uh, so we're back. All right, so we're going to do a quick look at the teams that didn't make the finals before we look at the All-Australian yes. squad, have a look at next week's games, and then wrap up. Okay, starting at the bottom, Gold Coast Suns. They finished off the year with 18 losses in a row. <laughs> uh, started at the bottom, now we're here. At the bottom still. Yeah. I mean, just... Uh, look, I have no joy in, in, in what's going on. I would like... AFL to be the most popular sport in the country and dominate in every state. But what the fuck do you do? What do you do? I mean, does it remind you of Brisbane in the 90s? The Bears? You know what? And and Brisbane in the 90s remind me of Brisbane in the 70s. Um, I, no, look, they've got to just rebuild. If they're going to keep on the Gold Coast, and they are, so they've just got to get it all in place and rebuild it properly and get these high picks and hopefully trade them out for some good experienced players. And this idea of like, you know, getting some champion players who are near the end, but still have some good football in them is probably the best thing to do. And they've just got to rebuild and have faith in Stuart Jew and what they're putting around them and institute their plan for every Monday being a mad Monday. And I think they're onto a winning formula. Uh, Melbourne, uh, terrible season, lost their last five games in a row. Looks like Nathan Jones will probably retire at the end of the year. Disaster. Disaster. Um, everything I could have dreamed from Melbourne <laughs> season. Just absolutely spectacular implosion. Beyond actually even... like it's uh, Watching Melbourne this year felt like when I watched a, went and watched Avengers Endgame. I was just like, well, just everything that I wanted to happen, happened. And some of those things I didn't know that I wanted. But when they happened, I was like, yes, this is what I wanted. Like the only player that I really love at Melbourne is Max Corn. Max Corn yeah. had a standout season, or probably be all Australian. So Max didn't get hurt. Max didn't die. My favorite character didn't die, Charlie. <laughs> there was a massive red wedding, but my favorite character survived. Carlton uh, finished the year pretty well. Uh, they won uh, two out of their last five games, but all the talk was about Carlton. There seems to be a lot of excitement. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's just people of are just tired of Carlton being shit, but there seems to be a lot of optimism about their future. They got spanked by uh, uh, Geelong at GMHBA, but who doesn't? You've got to wonder with... Carlton, to me, could go two ways. Mm. Carlton's either back and they're on their way and watch out everybody because here comes Carlton. Or Carlton is like Sony taking Spider-Man back from Marvel. You know, in that they think that they go, they think that they've got it now. They think they're up to speed. They think they're ready to go. But when they're left to their own devices, they're going to fuck it up again. And I'm still not sure which way it's going to go. Are you going to do like some kind of superhero analogy for each of these teams? I'd like to challenge. I am you. actually. Okay. You know what? Right. Yeah. Okay. And, and okay. Gold Coast is one of those Netflix series that got cancelled. Gold, Gold Coast is <laughs> Iron, Iron Fist. Fist. <laughs> The Sydney Swans finish off the uh, year with a couple of good wins, uh, send off some champions. Who knows what's going to happen with Buddy next year? He still looked good. I mean, maybe, maybe Jack Stephen, the Jack Stephen rule with Buddy, and it's just like don't train, eat pies, and just turn up six games a year and, and do your thing. Yeah, Buddy looked good enough in his three hundredth, didn't he? That he felt like he had a couple of seasons left in him. Um, 
what is Sydney when it comes to superheroes? There's someone who's been a consistently successful superhero, but now is kind of stepping out of the spotlight. Um, Captain America. Yeah, maybe they're Captain America. That's what they are. They're still admired. <laughs> Everybody's just like, yeah, no, we admire you. They went out with some grace. Their aged champions went out like Captain America at the end of Endgame. Uh, the Saints uh, finished the year under Brett Ratton with uh, three wins and three losses. Um, gone to go pretty hard in the recruiting period, you would think. Need to get some skillful players in and need some of these draft picks from last year. Our top two draft picks, Jack Bytel and Max King, didn't play at all this year. So uh, next year, you'd want to get some games into them. Uh, they are... Um, Tough old year. Uh, what's Black Widow. Scarlet, yeah, Hanson, Black Widow. That's exactly yeah. what they are. They are so Black Widow. Um, they, they've always got new haircuts. Um <laughs> They always look the part. You're glad they're there, but they haven't got that um, lucrative solo project up yet. <laughs> you know, they have some starring moments. Always good to have them as part of the team and the competition, but yeah, very Black Widow. Fremantle uh, finished on uh, disappointing three losses and sacked their coach and looks like there's going to be an exodus of players. So, um, interesting times for Fremantle. Fremantle to me are... Um, what are they? It's a kind of a... You know what Fremantle are? They're S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. They've had like a Nick Fury type, you know, grumpy commander yeah. constantly plotting behind the scenes. But yeah. he's, it turns out he's been infiltrated by Hydra. And, <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, there's been some sort of overthrow of S.H.I.E.L.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D.'s fallen apart. That's what it feels like. Uh, North Melbourne, pretty good win. They had. By the way, this li- is what Caro and Robbo and those guys do on their podcast, right? <laughs> North Melbourne finished with three out of five wins. Ben Brown just missed out on the Coleman. You've got to wonder where North Melbourne are at, don't you? Because they sort of topped up with some trades last year, like Pollock and uh, that goth kid with this tattoos. <laughs> uh, but they didn't really seem, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't sort of, they didn't go up the ladder at all this year. They sacked their coach as well. They've appointed a very young guy. Surprised that Richo went to Melbourne instead of North Melbourne. You would have thought Reese Shaw would have been the perfect guy to get an overseer. Um, but what do you think about North? Uh, I, I, there's talk that Higgins, you know, Higgins to Geelong, which yeah. I can see is good for them. That makes a lot of sense for Geelong. But, geez, North Melbourne wouldn't want to lose Higgins. No. Um, I'd love to see Higgins come back to the Bulldogs. If he had yeah. any romantic notion of coming back to the Bulldogs and playing at the Bulldogs at the end, he'd be fantastic, Higgins, to have. Um, I was I, always a great fan of him as a player. Yeah. Uh, uh, North Melbourne or Hawkeye? Yeah, exactly. They have they have no special powers that you can really identify, but um, good member of the team. Uh, and you know, Hawkeye uh, of the all the Avengers, um, yeah, it's Shin Bonus Spirit. That's what Hawkeye's all about. You know, it's Shin Bonus Spirit. Adelaide Crows, terrible end of the year. Terrible year, really. Uh, only won one of their last five games. Just like Frio, there seems to be a bunch of players who want out. Uh, I think six on on last discussion that we're wanting to get out of there. So maybe lose their coach even. I mean, I don't know. Adelaide seem Adelaide Press and the Adelaide public seem pretty even minded when it comes to poor performances, don't they? <laughs> They're not going to be calling for I, blood. I mean, they are just that town loves football so much, and the fact that both of their teams didn't make the finals, and they probably both. Yeah, had reasonable cases that they could have made the finals and the expectations over there would have been that both of their teams would have made the finals. So, 
No, Adelaide's a really disappointing end of the year. There's trouble at Adelaide. Um, Adelaide are the Fantastic Four. They look good on paper, but, you know, when you just see them all together, it doesn't quite work. Port Adelaide, not a bad finish to the year. Three out of the last five games, had a couple of really good wins and then just an unfathomable loss in the second to last round that ruled them out of finals. Well, that's very Port Adelaide. It's very on brand, but it looks to me it feels like they're going in the right direction. Yeah, they feel like one of those clubs that the young players are really good. Um, you know, it's not the older generation that is going to get them success. It's that next generation of people that they're putting through now. So... They feel to me like one of those um, TV reboots of the DC series. So they're like the Flash. Yeah. Do you think there's any danger of Ken Hinckley getting sacked? No. I think they'll give him another season. He might get sacked at the end of next season if they don't make finals, I would say. But I reckon he gets one more season. And so what what Marvel superhero did you say they were? I No, I said they were DC. They were like the oh. DC TV <laughs> reboot, the Flash. You know, like it's, it's pitched at a younger market. but it's, And it's not great. Like, it's not great by any standards. It's not consistent even. But the truth of it is that the good episodes are good and you're like, this is not bad. And then finally, Hawthorne, we talked about before, very strong finish of the year, winning their last three games in a row. Uh, yes. Well, who are Hawthorne when it comes Iron to Man. Their... Yeah, I guess they They are, started right? this whole shit. <laughs> They'll be there. Yeah, except they're not going anywhere. Iron yeah. Man's gone. Like, yeah, they're suppose. not going anywhere. Thor. No, they're Batman. Like, you know they'll just reboot it. Like, even when one Batman's over, another Batman will step up in Batman's place. There's never not going to be a Batman, and there's never not going to be a Hawthorne. All right, do you want to go through the All-Australian team? Yeah, I'll, I'll run you through it right now. Um, okay. All-Australian. So I'll go through in alphabetical order, because that's how it is on afl.com.au. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. Have you read, have you actually looked no. at the squad? No, that no. Not at all? No. Okay, great. What, what we're going to do, yeah. if you've got the time, is yes. that um, I'll go through the clubs yeah. and uh, I'll tell you how many players they've got in the All-Australian squad and you try to guess, see if you can guess who the players are. Mate, you could tell me who the players' names are and I'd have trouble guessing what club they played for. This is No, these are the best players. Let's see right. how you go. Okay. And if you... I'll give some clues along the way. Okay. I'll All give right, you okay. clues. Okay. Right, okay. Okay. So Adelaide had one uh, player make the All-Australian squad. Um, he has been a previous All-Australian in 2014 and 2016. Is he a Crouch he a brother? Defender. Sorry? A no, Crouch a defender. brother? Rory Laird. And he is hated by the Western Bulldogs. Oh, um, oh what was that guy? The guy gave his brother, brother the info. Um, That's ah. him. That is him. You're talking about the, the right guy. Yeah, His name is Daniel Talia. Daniel Talia, that's it. I would never have got that. <laughs> okay. All right. I reckon you would do better at Brisbane. You've watched okay. more Brisbane games. Okay. Uh, so Brisbane have... Um, oh, God. Okay. Brisbane have five players okay. in the All-Australian uh, squad. Dane Zorko? Dane Zorko is uh, one of them, yes. Correct. Charlie Cameron? Charlie Cameron is one of them, correct. Harris Andrews? Is one of them, correct. <sighs> from Brisbane oh Lucky Neil Lucky Neil and the other one is a, a young player who's just kind of he's he's played 21 games Hugh McCluggage Hugh McCluggage absolutely well done that was 5 Ooh, from 5 pretty good there clearly go. I've seen more Brisbane games than Adelaide games this year Carlton have one uh, oh Patrick Cripps Levi Casbolt 
<laughs> Patrick Cripps is correct. Uh, Collingwood have three. Pendles didn't make it. I know that was a controversial No, mission. he did. Pendles did make it. He did? Oh, this yes. is the squad. Yeah, the squad. Okay. Uh, Pendles? The team hasn't come out yet, has it? I don't think so. I don't know. No, no they're not. So no, I don't think so. I no. think the team's out tomorrow. Okay, so Pendles is in. Um, would Steel side bottom be in? Um, no, uh, no. Brody Grundy, no though. Side bottom. Brody, Brody Grundy, yes. Brody Grundy and Mason Cox. <laughs> Adam Trelaw is Adam the final. Uh, Fremantle have two. Should Nat, be pretty easy. Nat Fife. Yep. And not Aaron Sanderlands, surely. No. no. Uh, Brad, uh, not Brad, Bradley Hill? No. no Hill. He was a surprise omission from the squad. Oh, okay. Uh, so Nat Fife and... Um, uh, David Mundy. No, no, think of goals after the siren. Isn't that his name? Isn't David Mundy kicks the goals after the siren, doesn't he? Think, um, uh, <laughs> think rhymes with Michael Blo- Walters. Michael Walters. <laughs> <laughs> David Mundy is the goal after the siren guy. That's the terrible clue. No, no, this season, Michael Walters, like, very famously won a couple of games after yeah, the Yeah, but siren. prior to that, David Mundy against Richmond a couple of times. Yeah, but the All-Australian's co- not picked on prior to that. It's okay. Well, it is, I guess. All right. But, um, Geelong. Geelong. Geelong have uh, five, six, six All-Australian squad members. Okay, so uh, Paddy would be in there. Correct. Um, Reese Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> Paddy Dangerfield um, Stewart Would he be in there? Yes um, Tom Hawkins wouldn't be Would he? He is He is? Yes. I can never tell Because the, the scuttlebutt With Tom Hawkins is always, He's always having The worst season Or the best season ever I can never work out Where it is um, Okay So Tom Hawkins is in That's three uh, Is there another one Of their, their, their Dynamic trio The, the Ablett Ablett? Is Ablett yes. in? Ablett's Ablett in. is. Yes. Is Joel Selwood in? Uh, no Selwood. Ooh. You're missing a pretty obvious one. Out of Geelong. Might not Could be you... playing for Geelong next year. Oh, Tim Kelly. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Greater Western Sydney, two. Uh, would be Jeremy Cameron. Yes. And is it a player who's currently under... Like trade talk? No, but it's a, a prob- it's a player who this is a, a a joke that I don't enjoy making. But it's a player who probably can't talk. He's mute, <laughs> Barry mute. <laughs> his his larynx has been crushed. His <laughs> esophagus or whatever it was. His esophagus. Uh, ha- Hain? No, Hain. Hain. Nick Haynes. Nick Haynes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Hawthorne have one member of the All Australian squad. Lee Matthews. Uh, I'm surprised to see this. I didn't realise he'd had quite this good a season. I didn't realise he'd sort of had the best Thorpedo? season. Torpedo? Of the Hawks. No. Um, Isaac Smith? No. Jack Gunston? No. Um, is it uh, Ben Stratton? No. Is it someone that I should know? Yes. Is he, is he part of the... Is he a premiership player? Um... Yeah, I, that's a good clue. Ah, um, yeah, James Sicily. That's a good clue. I thought Mark that was Howell. too obvious. <laughs> yeah, everyone hates him. Is the clue? 
Melbourne have one. Max Gorn. North Melbourne have two. Ben Brown? Yes. And Sean Higgins? No. The other one is oh, probably still... Yeah, he's not aware at this stage that he's been nominated <laughs> for the All-Australian team. Uh, Port Adelaide have won. Who would you nominate from Port? Robbie Gray? Uh, you're in the right zone, but you've gone the wrong one. Ollie Wines. Oh, no, no, no. I think a bit more like your Robbie Gray. Brad, Brad Ebert? <laughs> Former captain of the team. Troy, 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 Broad, Broadman? I don't know. Just don't. <laughs> Troy Broadman. Yes. Yes, Troy. It's their famous Port Adelaide player, Troy Broadman. <laughs> no, de- definitely not. Definitely not Travis Boak. Their That's former what I meant. captain. Troy Broadman. Troy Travis Broadman. Boak. The Tigers have uh, four, four. Dustin Martin. Dustin Martin, who might Dylan, be the Brownlow. Dylan Grimes. Uh, Dylan Grimes, correct. Uh, who, who else would they have? Who's had a good year? Uh, is it Shane Edwards? Shane Edwards, who was All-Australian last no, year? Shane no, Shane Edwards hasn't. Um, uh, one of them has had an All-Australian year, despite the fact that for much of it, they weren't allowed to drink uh, refreshments or eat food. Um, uh, uh, Billy Fasting? <laughs> Sorry, Basha Hooli. Uh, that was oh. a bad clue. I was talking about, like, I, I just always fascinated by what he does at Ramadan. <laughs> yeah, right. um, and uh, Tom Lynch. No, one of, one of, so I thought it was Tom Lynch probably a bit unlucky not to make the squad. He's, I would have thought he's almost had an all Australian season, but, um, no, played for another club though. Did come from another club. Uh, Josh Caddy. No. no, I don't know. Oh, a uh, little Dion Prestia. Dion Prestia is correct. Meatball Sydney, Sydney, the Sydney Swans, who you saw on the weekend, <laughs> had one All Australian, one All Australian representative. Who is it? And it wasn't um, Jake Lloyd. It was Dane Rampey. Yeah, the other Jake Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. I should say, uh, I was at the airport a couple of weeks ago and uh, I saw the Sydney Swans guys all milling about in the lounge uh, waiting for their flight. And so I texted both Will and Adam Spencer to say, hey, I'm looking at the Swans players and I still cannot tell which one is Jake Lloyd. And you and Adam both responded with the exact same text is, look for, look for the guy with the mustache, not Dane Rampey. <laughs> Uh, the West Coast Eagle Eagles, uh, they have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven entries in oh, the All Australian 40 West Coast. Um, okay, McGovern. Uh, McGovern, yes. Yo. Yo, yes. Um, oh, who's the guy who's not gaff, but is good? Shuey. Uh, Shuey's had a good season. Yep, Shuey. Um, who else would there be? Uh, oh, Jack Darling's had a good year. Jack Darling has had an All Australian squad year. He is in it. Um, you still one, two, three, three. You still got three left. <laughs> Shit, that's so many. Um, uh, is there a def- uh, Sh- 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 Shannon Hearn? Is that is that the Shannon captain? Hearn? Yeah, yes. <laughs> is he the captain? <laughs> 
Yes. Shannon Ern. Uh, are they defenders or midfielders? Give me some positions. There's a uh, defender and a uh, midfielder. Is Andrew Gaff in there? Yes. Okay. And then, then there's and just a defender I've got to tick a off. A defender who did not play in the grand final last year. Uh, I don't know. Um, Brett Hetty. <laughs> Brad Shepherd. Uh, the Western Bulldog, Bulldogs have uh, three. Bontempelli, Dunkley, yep. McLean. Uh, McRae is his name, but apart oh. from that. Um, no, well, we do have a McLean, but oh, right. I think you were thinking of McRae. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, there you go. That's oh, that's squad. it. All right. Well, let's uh, take a quick look at the finals. Now, um, next week, because it's bye week, we'll, uh, we'll do a two guys, one bag episode. Um, so there's a lot uh, we're, there's a lot of messages on our Facebook page we haven't got to yet. So if you want, if you're desperate to uh, send us a question, this is the time to do it because we'll do a deep dive into the bag next week. Um, but first game, Will, this Thursday. Uh, no, what am I talking about? It's not this Thursday. In two weeks, Will. <laughs> uh, West Coast take on the Bombers. Um, West Coast have to win this game, right? Thursday, the 5th of September. Nick Nat will probably play... West Coast will probably be too good, but yeah. you never know. It's finals. I texted my West know, Coast mate. I, I still think West Coast are one of the big teams that could win it, so I, I would say West Coast win. I, I texted my mate who's a West Coast supporter and said, like, surely you won't lose to the Bombers, surely. And he said he thought that when you played the Bulldogs in 2016. So there you go, Eagles fans. Before you get too cocky, remember 2016. Uh, on a Friday the 6th of September, the Cats take on the Pies at the MCG. Big big game, isn't it? Big game. It's just a big game. It's like and a, it's hard, a, to, hard to determine backs to the wall in this. No, I think that like Geelong's backs are kind of to the wall. If it had been at GMHBA, maybe Geelong should be fine with it being played at the MCG and it should have been Collingwood who, who were lobbying for it to be... Collingwood members going, no, we prefer not to go because we yeah. need our backs against the wall way down in Geelong. Um, so If this was at GMHBA Stadium, I would have zero hesitation in tipping the pies. Zero. Yeah. In fact... If it had turned out that half the team had gastro, the other half of the team had been done for some betting scandal and they were playing their seconds at GMHBA, I would definitely tip the pies. I um, try to keep my two worlds separate from each other. I have a daily radio show where the conversations need to be a little bit more sensible than this. And then, you know, we have this. But I talk about football on both of those shows and occasionally I just get it wrong and take an idea that clearly belongs on this podcast onto the airwaves and the minute I do I can just see in the look of other people's eyes that I've stepped out of the lane of things they're comfortable with around football and yesterday I was speculating on the idea that the best solution to the Geelong thing would be to play the first half at Geelong and then they put all the players on a bus so you've got a full crowd at Geelong. They watch the first half and then they watch the second half on the screen. And you have a full crowd at the MCG and the players have to drive down on buses <laughs> and then play the second half at the MCG. And I was like, and just when people are staring at you, like, what are you, what are you talking about? Why that would do you never happen. That is logistically impossible. What are they going to do for that hour and 20 minutes it takes to get down there? And how would you sell tickets to that? Right. Wrong audience. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, guys. I was imagining, you know, the cameras following it like OJ on, in the Bronco. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
<laughs> you Geelong get roaming Highway. Brian on a bus. Like it's it's good stuff. I love that. Uh, I will pick the pies in that game. A lot of they're loading up with bunch of superstars. Darcy Moore, the big question mark, but I think uh, I think the pies for me. Uh, well, I'm I'm not going to jump off the cats for the premiership. Picked it early. So I'm, I'm going to say if the Bulldogs can't win the whole lot, I'm still on the Cats. And so I say Geelong. Super Saturday on the 7th of September. There's a lot of S's for you. Uh, the Giants host the Bulldogs at a GS Stadium. Uh, so, I mean, I hope the Bulldogs win. I, you know, I, I think mm. that the Bulldogs will probably go in favourite to the game. It'll be like, I, I think it'll be pretty close, but... I think that there'll probably be more support for the Bulldogs from you know, uh, from pundits, I reckon, saying that the Bulldogs should win. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bulldogs, I think the Bulldogs should win. Like, I think in the form we're in and coming up against a, a GWS that has injuries and stuff, but, you know, they, they could have a... At their best, they are a team that de- definitely can beat us. So if they play at their best, then it's going to be tough. Are you doing anything that day? Uh, no, no, I'm not doing anything. Do you want to, do you want to go? I'm going to Oh yeah, around. you got tickets? Gonna, you yeah, got to call Chris yeah. Hemsworth and, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting get my coterie group together. Do you want to come and join? I, it's at the moment, it's just me and you, but if you're, if you're in, I've got a coterie. All right. I'm in. And, and then we try to recruit one more person every time we go to the football. <laughs> uh, Bulldogs for me in that game. And then uh, the final match uh, of the first round of the finals is the Lions hosting Richmond up at the Gabba. What a great game this will be. Two weeks break they've had. They sized each other up. Brisbane got to test out the MCG. They lost, but they didn't lose any fans in, in, in that process. And now they get to host the Tigers at home. I mean, imagine, imagine if they slaughtered them. It would be just throw the, throw, throw the finals into a spin. Um, I th- I think they they can, I think mm. they can win. I, I definitely think based on what happened and them being at home, I think that they they can win. Um, I don't mind the idea of them winning because the Bulldogs, if they won, would play whoever loses out of this game. And Tigers don't part like of the Bulldogs. That, sorry, the Tigers don't like playing the Bulldogs. Well, that's what I think. And if you're going to beat the Tigers, because I think the Tigers are probably the best team in it at the moment, mm. you're probably better off beating them before it gets to the, the the big day, you know. And, yeah, the Bulldogs play pretty well against the Tigers. But, I mean, whoever loses this game, if the Bulldogs win, they're going to come up against a very, very good football team. It's a tough side of the draw. Uh, I'm going to pick Brisbane in that game. Uh, I am going to say that Richmond probably probably win that. But and if anyone has I'd been like keeping... to see Brisbane. I I really would like it. Has anyone's been keeping uh, track of our tips this year? Can you let us know who won? <laughs> I'd just be oh, interested yeah. to know. Yeah. What do we do on the weeks where um, one or the other of us was not here? Does it matter? It, it's uh, you always pick the away team. The away team. It's okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, in this yeah. season, that'll probably be the only rounds we do well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, like I said, next week we'll just do a, a mailbag round. So if you want to send us a message, just go to the Tofop group on a uh, Tofop. Sorry, the Two Guys One Gut page on Facebook. Um, you can also go to tofop.com to check out some other podcasts that Will and I do together and separate from each other. Truth be told, uh, and I think that's it, really, isn't it? Yep. Play on, not fifteen. Ball. We are two guys, one cup.